and yeah, it does help in work, in personal life, in relationship. And you said this one thing, so yeah, imagine if all people knew that. I'd say that would be so awesome because initially when I came to therapy, I said, I really want my family to change. I want my mom to change. I want everyone to change. And my fa- mm. and my psychologist said, listen, they're not the one asking for help. You're the one asking for help. You are the one who has problems. So you will have to either change your attitude towards it or just accept the fact that your family can change. But However, by me just refraining from this drama triangle, my the dynamics in my family has changed dramatically. Hey everyone, welcome to the RLT podcast where we share some real life tools, tips and tricks to help you not only discover, but also reach your ultimate goals. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Life Tips podcast. This is episode number 49 and I'm your host, Mano. Today's a very special edition. We have our second guest on the show with us. And I'm going to introduce you guys to Anya Sereda. I hope that I said that correctly. Anya, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks very much for having me. That's so great to have you here. Anya is an external communication specialist, but that is not applicable at all for the chat that we're going to have here today. Unlike our last guest interview that we had, Anya is really going to come from a perspective of telling us more about the benefits of therapy. And this is really something that I think in my life is something that I've considered in the past. I think we all go through ups and downs, highs and lows, where we don't necessarily really know what's going on in life anymore. You're trying to get a grip on so many different things in your life, but it it almost feels like you need help from, from someone else every now and then, right? So you ask a friend or you ask a family member for their advice, or you listen to a podcast, i.e. this podcast, right? And you try and always sort of dissect life yourself and it, it becomes extremely challenging. And I think especially in the day and age that we're living in right now, where we're almost too scared to admit that you know, we have a problem, you know, to anyone around us. We don't necessarily want to talk to people around us and, and say that, you know, we're struggling with this problem. We need some professional assistance. We had such an amazing chat, Anya, the other day when we had this discussion. And I felt it best that, you know, we really need to do an episode on this. And today is going to be a little bit different. So Leon's not going to be joining us, but I'm here. We're going to follow the same flow as always, deep diving into the benefits of therapy, first and foremost. We'll have a look at some research and we'll wrap it up with the real life tips at the end of the episode. Now, Anya, let's maybe start with your backstory. Tell us. How exactly did you get to the point where you were like, hmm, whatever my friends are telling me, whatever my family is telling me is is not helping, you know, maybe maybe I need to seek out the work of a professional. Well, to be honest, I've never been this person who really opposes therapy. I always thought it's kind of a good idea, but, you know, I could never allow myself to do this. I always thought, you know, it's, it's expensive, it takes time. Uh, you need to go there regularly. You need to commit. Mm. So I would always find why one reason or another not to do this. And I would always think, okay, I can spend my time and my money better. I can, you know, I don't know, start a hobby, do something else, buy myself nice clothes. And it really took a while mm. to kind of 
restructure myself this way that right now I am considering therapy as uh, one of the most essential parameters when I'm calculating my budget for the next month, next half a year, next next year for whatever. So, but yeah, it took a real, unfortunately, a real big shake in my life for me to allow to ask a professional for help. Mm. But when I say professional, actually, let's maybe first outline what we mean by therapy. So when I talk about therapy, I mean purely pure psychology. I mean, I don't mean the psychiatrist. I don't mean medical treatment, pharmaceutical drugs, whatever. Mm -hmm. No, I only mean those people who give you basically life advice and offer you an external perspective uh, on your problems, on your life events, on whatever you wish to kind of fix about your life. Yeah. So yeah, like this is why you and me, we've discussed it, that there's actually probably no word for people who seek a help from psychologists, not psychiatrists, because they're not patients. They are, I don't know, how, how would we call it's them? It's getting help without any medication or anything. It's getting advice, but on yeah. a professional level from someone else's perspective. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I'd offer some fancy term, like let's call it life improver instead of a patient. But okay, mm. that sounds a bit like... <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we, we can call such people patients, but... I feel like it's important to distinguish that you are not getting a medical treatment. You are not sick. There's nothing clinically wrong with you if you are asking help from a psychologist. Mm. So basically, the story was the following. I I married very early, and as it happens, with early marriages in a year, it was done. And I needed to come in terms yeah. with that. And... I couldn't really do this on my own. I, I felt like I'm going in circles. I felt like I'm not really getting out of the situations. And I remember I was just feeling very, very depressed, lying in my bed. And I read this book which said that all the bad things that are happening to us will lead to something better, will lead to some positive changes. And I remember I lied in my bed and I asked, how can this terrible state of mind right now lead to something good in the future? This is not possible. My life is and my life is ending. Everything is super bad, super horrible. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. two years have more than two years have passed right now. Like three years have passed. And honestly, it's not the marriage that was the best thing in my life that ever happened to me. It was the divorce because it led me to the psychologist that I'm still seeing every two, three weeks right mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. because she really helped me to fix so many problems that were influencing my life negatively f throughout whole my whole life, basically. And, you know, um, basically my life before the marriage, before the divorce and after it's like the life of two very different people. I'm way happier than I was before. And it was only because I needed this deep crisis mm. to allow myself to, to seek help. Uh, yeah. ask a professional yeah, for help. Yeah, to seek help. Yeah. I've, I, think I've, I think a lot of us have been there, um, myself included. I mean, you're, when you get to the point, and I think what you're, what you're talking about is probably uh, elevated to such an extent beyond what I've experienced in the past, but I absolutely have gone through situations where I can see absolutely no way out. And... It is interesting because what you're saying is let's approach someone to say, I've tried to figure this out myself. I've tried to sort of uh, find a way out, find a better way, find a better mental state 
for me to enter into and to stay there for as long as possible going forward. But I think, you know, as with all professionals, you can't be the graphic designer and the doctor and build the house and lay the bricks and do everything yourself. So that's why you have specialists that specialize in giving advice and to sort of dissect and coming from a different perspective. Do you feel that that's probably what's happening here is because you're going to professional, number one, they're trained in assessing a lot of similar situations that you, they know how you're to sort of maneuver around and dissect all of the puzzle pieces and put it all into perspective for you. And number two, probably coming in a little bit um, objectively to strip all of the emotions out of it because I feel that a lot of times when you're handed a, a difficult equation to solve in your life, you're looking at it subjectively and it's it's very difficult because there's so much emotion there's so much trauma that you might be dealing with that you can't necessarily you take yourself out and and look from the outside in is that what's happening do you think that's why it's proving so effective for you specifically uh, as well? yes it's definitely the case when it comes to therapy but i feel like it's also important to mention that uh our psychology our psyche our brain basically works in a very particular way where very often in order to protect ourselves from the truth, we are not willing to believe the reality. So for example, mm. if you have anger management issues, your brain will do your, will do its best to convince you that everything is actually all right, that you don't have the anger management issues. You are just a passionate person. It will twist the reality in all yeah. possible ways because if it doesn't do this, you will have to admit that you are, maybe you are a bully or something. So, mm -hmm. and this can be reversed in so many ways with all the situations. And psychologists have a way of delivering the message to people to help people acknowledge some issues that they have in a very, very yeah. soft and mild manner. And what's most important, not just, you know, stay, stay on this acknowledgement of an issue, but move on and help people fix it, help people improve their personality yeah. towards uh, the ways that won't hurt them and people around them. That's interesting because what you're saying there is the first step is admitting that, that you have a problem that you need to deal with, right? I think that's probably the most difficult step. And for the, someone to come and help you realize it, it's, it's not enough for someone to point out and say, hey, listen, You've got some rage issues or some anger issues. You know, you need, you need to work on that. It's very different when you come to that realization yourself and say, maybe I do have a problem. Maybe I do need to see someone. I totally agree. And that's the shittiest step because yeah. so many things, and I got used to this uh, feeling by now, so many things that have really, really influenced me, uh, all these realizations. They started from admitting something so, so unpleasant about myself like I used to think I'm such a great person I'm 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 so good to others and then I realized that very often I offer help simply because it makes me feel uh important it makes mm -hmm. me feel like someone needs me mm -hmm. and I was like I am not mother Teresa I am actually like just a very egoistic and manipulative person but these things I mean they don't really work the way you want them to work people will not feel like they owe you something because you have offered help this is this isn't how it works in real life so you are you meant to disappoint yourself and you're meant to you know expect things that you're not going to get and 
act really stupid. Mm. And once you acknowledge this, and this is really, this is again, very, very unpleasant to acknowledge such things about yourself. But once you acknowledge this, you are, you, you start to move on. You start asking yourself, okay, how can I do the other way around? Mm -hmm. How can I get some things that I want to get, mm. but in the ways that are actually working and you achieve what you want, essentially. Um, like. They are, that's, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you. So, so tell me, because what you're saying is that you first and foremost considered therapy just to sort of help you through the issues of your divorce, which, you know, it's, it's, it's quite, quite a lot to, and I think a lot of people probably go through that same scenario. And where are you sitting at the moment? What other issues has it solved for you? Seeing this therapist, is there a different therapist that you have to see for different type of issues and things that you had to deal with in the past? Or, or you still seeing the same therapist that just kind of helps you and grows with you and assists you with with newfound issues? Well, I'm I've been seeing the same therapist throughout all this time, but um, it's a bit of a funny story actually how I uh, found her because looking for a right therapist for you, it's it can be very tricky. You know, first of all, you need to usually try one, two, three, four, five, I don't know how many therapists before you figure out which one works for you. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to open yourself over and over again to different people, some of whom may be not very, how to say, how to put nicely, professional. Because unfortunately, there's in, in the majority of countries, there is no such legislation that would prohibit people to call themselves psychologists after they pass eight hours of an online course mm -hmm. uh, with an online certificate. <laughs> yeah. Basically, since it's a psychologist is not a doctor, so basically anyone can call themselves psychologist. And there are a lot of frauds, uh, which in best case scenario will not help and worst might even hurt you. So in my case, uh, the story was the following. I actually initially came to the psychologist with my ex-husband because we started to feel that things are becoming not smooth in our marriage and we wanted to fix it. And when she started asking my husband some questions, I realized by the nature of the questions that she has uh, figured him out. She has, she can see mm. his issues. She can see what's wrong with him. And I was very happy. But then she started to ask me questions and mm. I didn't want her to ask me these questions because <laughs> I wanted to be the person who is right. I, essentially, I didn't want to yeah. fix their relationship i wanted to be right and that was the problem uh so yeah i ended up saying that i don't like the psychologist i told her we're not going to be coming back and in how long half a year i called her and said that i actually would like to come for another session but this time i'll be alone mm -hmm. this was very humiliating because <laughs> she literally asked me whether my husband will become and i said no no i'll my husband probably will never be coming <laughs> to anywhere with me <laughs> so yeah and um, i often tell people when they're looking for psychologists look for ones that works uh by with your requests so my psychologist asked me this she asked hmm. what request do you have what do you want to fix and i said okay i need to get over this divorce and literally after a couple of sessions um it has improved and then i said listen there was one more thing I also have issues in my family. I'm, mm. I'm having fights with my mom. We love each other so very much. She She's a single mom. She raised me alone. I feel like she's the best woman in the world. I, I wouldn't want any other mom. But 
we have such a horrible fights. There's literally no person in this world whom we would love more than we love each other. But this is sometimes the issue. We we keep having these horrible fights. Mm. And I'm really glad to say that in a year, even even in a couple of months, actually, I stopped having these fights. Uh, and wow. the whole environment in which my family would function, it has changed significantly. And so... It continued. Basically, we have every time I would tell my therapist, okay, you know what? Actually, I think this request, this thing that I've been complaining about, I think it's solved. She would tell me, okay, mm-hmm. we can either move to another request or you're free to go, you're free to enter therapy and you're free to come back to me anytime. I'll find time for you. I'll help you if you need this. So, you know, feel free to take a break. But I usually just move on to another request and to another request and another request because it's 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 really good. It's, yeah, I like it. So so that's what you're saying, right? Is right. like why is why should people actually consider therapy? Is because it actually does help. It actually does work. It does actually improve. And this is this is one strange thing that you that you pointed out as well is that you're well. I don't think it's strange. I suppose it's quite normal. It's difficult for someone to open up. It's difficult for people to be vulnerable in front of someone else. So. We when you were saying you and your husband went there and saw the psychologist, it was difficult for you to open up as soon as she started asking you questions. Um, but you felt more comfortable going back afterwards and saying, okay, you know what, please let's do this on Lauren. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that I need assistance with. Do you find that it's easier for you to open up now to others around you in your, in your, in your life in general? I mean, your close social circles, have you always been sort of closed off in the past and maybe, being in therapy has allowed you to openly discuss some parts, I'm not saying all parts of your personal life, but to openly discuss, you know, just your emotions, how you feel, how you um, how you observe things around you. Do you feel that that has changed you in some sense as well or not really? Um, I've been, <clears throat> I wouldn't say I've, I've been a very open person. I've been a very chatty person, but I was mm. never really open with people i often had troubles admitting something about myself especially some negative traits and definitely the therapy definitely fixed it and uh, a lot of people who have troubles open up they do it because of fear because of fear of fear of being and a lot of people who have troubles opening up do it because of fear of being rejected by society by their partners and Mm -hmm. yeah answering your question definitely i have become more open and I remember, actually, it was my therapist who asked me this um, when I was telling her about my social interactions. I would say, I never really tell anything bad about myself to people. I don't want them to be scared away by my problems. Mm. I don't want mm. them to think that I'm not perfect. And she asked me, and how do you feel about those people who are always perfect, who are always on point, who are always <laughs> doing everything right? You don't and trust said, them, right? I don't trust them. I hate go. them. Yeah. They're so uncomfortable to be around. And yeah. I was like, ah, yeah, this makes sense. And also it helped me to look at people who are around me with, you know, like with a different perspective. There was this girl uh, who was so annoying to me. 
she would always, always speak out uh, during our classes in university, be mm-hmm. very annoying with her theories or something. And she always needed to be the right one. She always needed to be the smartest girl in the room. And then I realized that she annoyed me so much in the past because I was just like her. I felt like I'm getting the validation of others and love only if I am the smartest, the most mm. brilliant girl mm. in the room, which is not the case no we we don't tend to like such people and yeah definitely uh nowadays i found out that there's no point of hiding some negative things about yourself if anything it makes you more relatable it helps people feel more comfortable around you and there's no such thing as a perfect i love that and i agree with that because i think what happens then is you're sharing some sort of human aspect that look I'm not this perfect being. And and you're also sharing some vulnerability, right, around these people and saying, I'm going to take a sec, just be vulnerable. These are some of my faults. I'm sorry. I do admit that I did make a mistake. And and those things have, like I have found in the past, built the deepest connections with the people that you interact with, right? So I'm, I'm really glad that you confirmed that because that's my thought about therapy was that if you're someone who's sitting there and you're not really open to discuss your personal I don't, I don't say that your personal life but you don't really want to open up you don't want to be vulnerable around everyone or anyone ever i can just imagine that being in therapy once you practice this it sort of becomes part part of who you are you don't mind opening up you're not controlled by fear of what that person is going to do not everyone is bad no not everyone's going to exploit your vulnerabilities right so so that's the one thing that i'm really really glad that that you've confirmed for me if there's anything that i've thought about in terms of therapy it's that although i must say I'm the complete opposite. <laughs> when people <laughs> when people meet me for the first time, I do share a lot. In some cases, I overshare. I tell them about you know, my whole life story and things like that. I don't know how or when, but or, or even where this this occurred in my life. But somehow, at some point in my life, I just figured out that I can build deeper, meaningful connections with people when I expose myself emotionally when I'm open to embarrassment and things like that. So I do share a lot of stories with a lot of people. I'm an open book and uh, you know, some people might like that. Some people might, might not, but I do feel that there is a very good benefit as to learning that, that specific skill. Extremely interesting. I think there's one other thing that you did point out to me during our discussion that we have when you were up here in Johannesburg. So just for the listeners out there, by the way, so I know Sarah, right is uh, yeah. from moscow russia right yeah i'm from moscow yeah you're from moscow so yeah all the way from moscow we we met up in in johannesburg you you had some good times in in cape town as well we'll chat about that uh, when we wrap up but one thing we did chat about as well and you pointed this out was some sort of triangle i think you called it Kaufman's drama triangle that came up in therapy as well and you said that it almost changed your life can you maybe give us a little bit of insight about that? I want to understand. Yeah, that. absolutely. So uh, it's it's kind of tricky when I explain it for the first time. So uh, it did change my life because I was able to see so many issues. So I remember it was my second time coming to the psychologist that I've been seeing for three years. And keep in mind that uh, before that, me and my ex-husband, we were visiting another lady who would just, you know, smile and nod and sometimes just look at us sympathetically and basically say nothing but agree with whatever we say and it didn't work out and i really really after 
I don't know, a couple of months of seeing psychologists, uh, not only me and my ex-husband divorced, it also helped me in no way understanding what ha- in, in understanding what happened. Yeah. So it was my second time coming to my current psychologist back then. And I wanted to discuss not just my divorce, but also the overall dynamics in my family. And she handed over to me a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And she told me, okay, maybe look at this. And I don't know if it's going to help you or not. Just consider this. Maybe that's the case for you. And I looked at this piece of paper and I said, I need to double the price of the therapy. You are, you're brilliant. I was only going to talk about the things that are written here because this seems to be exactly the problem in my family. Mm-hmm. So basically, Karpman Drama Triangle is, let's call it model of social interaction, human interaction. Basically, it describes um, dynamics in a family. There's usually three people who are playing certain roles or it may be two people uh, that are changing roles constantly. Mm-hmm. One of the roles is the persecutor or an abuser. Another role is a savior or a rescuer. And the third role is the victim. Each role has its pros and cons. And there are reasons why people take it. So, for example, when you're in a victim mode, you are obviously being abused. It's not cool. It's... Uh, you're suffering, mm. but when you're in a victim's mode, you don't have to solve anything. You are absolutely helpless. You are not able to make decisions for yourself. You are delegating the power. And yeah, you this feeling of powerlessness, it, it can be very, very pleasing in terms of, you know, you, you just get a break. You're like, yeah. okay, I am, yeah. I'm being abused here. I'm a victim. You can't really do anything about it. The savior, I actually mentioned it about myself you're the person who helps the victim. And the con is obviously that you are not focusing on your own life. You are helping someone else. Uh, You sue the victim because you need to feel important. Usually this is the motivation. Mm. You need to feel important. You need to feel like you have a meaning in life maybe, and it's to help someone else. And you are basically protecting a victim from an abuser. And then there's a persecutor or an abuser. This is a person who is critical, who is controlling, who basically keeps the victim oppressed until or maybe even despite the fact that the rescuer stood up. Mm, mm. And the benefit of being the persecutor or an abuser, and I'd like to highlight, I am not in any way saying that a person who abuses other people is not the one to blame yeah. in, in mm-hmm. the violence. But the benefit is that these people are usually very scared deep inside and they abuse others or they attack others in order to make sure that no one will attack them if you ever stood up to a bully Mm -hmm. you you would have noticed that they usually start to act very very differently towards you after you've done that they start being very very friendly very very respectful because these people bully others because they're scared they Mm -hmm. are very scared someone someone will bully them and basically the Cartman drama triangle, it looks very, very dramatic, mm-hmm. but it shows, it, it, this is the case for so many families that people just play these uh, roles over and over again. I'll give you an example from my past. So, for example, I was, I was preparing, I was going to have a Christmas dinner with my mom and my ex-husband and my mom kept 
offering me help with that. And first time mm-hmm. I said no, but she kept insisting. She would say, "I'll come on, you know, I can cook very well. I can cook it better than you. You are so tired at work. You are so busy. And let me just cook all the food and let me just do everything. And I would say, mom, this is my Christmas dinner. I want to cook the food. And it <laughs> yeah. all just blew up into okay. this absolutely stupid fight. But Jeez. she kept insisting and insisting. And then uh, from being, and she was playing this, you know, so, um, this rescuer role. Mm. So then I turned into an attacker, an abuser, uh, a persecutor. I started because she wouldn't understand that I don't want her help in my, this is how it happened in my head. So I would say, okay, I would say something mean to her. I would say, come on, you're not respecting my boundaries, blah, 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 something else. And my mom would jump into a victim's mode because she was abused. And she would say, okay, yay, I'm a mom, you're old, poor mom, you're not respecting me, you're saying mean things to me, oh my God, I'm so alone and my daughter is being so mean to me. And I would quickly revert then, I would I would turn into a savior. savior. I would be like, yeah, I would be like, oh my God, mom, mom. I would feel so guilty. That's, I would be like, that's interesting like- because what you're saying there is, okay, and that was going to be my next question. You know, if you're uh, an abuser or if you're a savior or if you're a victim, does that mean that you play that role consistently throughout your lifetime or does it change or when does it change or does it change? And, and this is what it seems like. It changes based on the situation, but either way, you're always one of those three. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, so hmm. yeah, you're one of those three, and it's a bit tricky. This this triangle, in many cases, it's based on the feeling of guilt. This is one of the hooks that people try to cling you on yeah. uh, in yeah. these situations. So to just kind of get you inside the game. So once I started to recognize the triggers that make me join this triangle made me join the dynamics in my family because that's the dynamics in my whole family with my granny with my granddad uh, i don't have a father i have only mom but mm. she's enough <laughs> so um yeah this is the overall dynamics so once i started to recognize these things and stay away from this drama triangle actually the whole drama triangle was ruined for my whole family even though they kept changing the roles they were really really tricky about it but with time they just realized that these things are no longer working and they stopped doing it so and and how did you how did you stop that that cycle can you give me basically it 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 wasn't easy to be honest uh (laughs) you need need, the first thing you need to do is you need to figure out the most typical which are the most typical situation uh how does they occur so during therapy i would uh, bring some fights that I would have with my mom and we would recognize what make me, made me so angry or what made me so upset. What, what what was the trigger that turned me into abuser or turned me into a victim or turned me into a savior? And this is where you need to be very, very aware of what you're doing. So next time you have this fight, you need to find out that this trigger occurs and you need to stop yourself. So And you need to revert the roles so if you are used to playing the rescuer you need to stop saying things like okay i'll do this for you i'll help you um you Mm. might want to say i care about you and i know you're capable of doing it maybe support people in some other way or maybe simply abstain or simply say listen guys this is not my business you figure it out even though it might seem mean it might seem like you are not caring enough 
if wow. this is not the case, if people don't need yeah. your help, you need to just acknowledge this. You need to acknowledge you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. And with time, one trigger after the other, it kind of became easier to mm-hmm. find the situations and to acknowledge what I'm doing. So when people say mindful, I don't like this word. I don't like when people <laughs> say, okay, I'm conscious, I'm mindful. mindful but yeah. this is what it is. Mm-hmm. You are constantly aware of what you're doing. You're not doing something automatically. And, and I guess I guess it's like when the opportunity presents itself, like you said, you know, when you're thrown into a, situ- a situation where somebody keeps manipulating you or trying to manipulate you into a sense of you know getting you to be the savior and all that kind of stuff you need to be able to stop there in your tracks and and look at this situation and say okay i'm going to apply this right now i'm not i'm going to stop it in its tracks because this might look like it's going to be running around in circles the whole time and i find a lot of that is so true in not just family life but also in relationships i've seen this so so many times in a lot of my past relationships where i become the abuser in that situation and i start making the other person feel guilty and all of a sudden they go into like defense mode and for a little while they start defending themselves but then all of a sudden what happened to me in the past is they throw the blame around on you and now all of a sudden you have reversed roles so you feel like the victim and all of a sudden they're there so it's weird how people have the ability to use this to manipulate situations and conversations and things so i feel that this is this is like a life hack so when you told me about this initially i was like my mind is blown because i want to understand the dynamic of this i want to revise this information i want to constantly go back and forth and make sure that i understand it and i want to start applying this to my life because like you said you know it changed your life imagine what it can do in so many other relationships that you have not just in family but i'm sure this applies to work as well with your work colleagues and everything as well uh absolutely so initially when carpman came up with this uh theory he he started with studying he wasn't actually going to make this life-changing theory uh, he was studying the way people play football, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So he was studying the players, how they play in the field. But then he showed his findings to his uh, to some other professor. And he said, dude, this, that's more than just a game. What you found out is revolutionary. It applies to everything. <laughs> and this is when Karpman just kind of got this revelation. He realized what he kind of figured yeah. out. It's hard to say that he... He didn't invent it. It's just he kind of noticed it. He made it. He made it's it amazing. obvious. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's like it's one of those hidden formulas, and I love formulas. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so it's it's one of those universal rules that you can apply to your life every single day, and it's, it's so really as simple yeah. as being aware of it and then assessing the situation. Yeah, it's amazing. exactly. Yeah. So and yeah, it does help in work, in personal life, in relationship. And you said this one thing. So yeah, imagine if all people knew that I'd say that would be so awesome because initially when I came to therapy I said I really want my family to change I want my mom to change I want everyone to change and my fa- mm. and my psychologist said listen they're not the one asking for help you're the one asking for help you are the one who has problems so you will have to either change your attitude towards it or just accept the fact that your family can change but However, by me just refraining from this drama triangle, my the dynamics in my family has changed dramatically. And yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for <laughs> drama dramatically. But um, 
yeah, so imagine how great would it be if my whole family was one of those mindful hipsters, if my 80-year-old grandma would visit psychologists, if my mom also went there. So I don't know if we would be, I don't know, we would probably go to India and just meditate <laughs> all the time. <laughs> we wouldn't work, <laughs> we wouldn't fight. We would just, you know, come to enlightenment probably. So yeah, uh, yeah. It, it would definitely help because it's, it's hard to do this alone. It's mm. hard to uh, change the attitude towards everything that you're so used to, but it's worth it. Mm. And I actually the most difficult thing was getting out of the victim mode. I think it's not even the rescuer or the persecutor because you know you're not feeling guilty when you're a victim. When you are a persecutor, you lash out, you use guilt to control other people in order yeah. not to feel. Yeah. But when you're a victim, it's so nice to feel this, you know, oppression, to feel helpless, to feel, mm. uh, to seek a rescue from someone, to expect that someone else will solve, solve your problem. Yeah. And that was, I think for me, this was the most difficult role to get out of, to actually mm. turn to turn into a survivor, you know, from a victim, to start stating what I want, to dispute my old way of thinking, to acknowledge my strength and to acknowledge that whatever happens, whatever situation occurs, this is not the end of the world and I'm not yeah. being this poor little me, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> that actually, yeah, I'm, I'm this amazing, strong person who can get out of any situation, but I just need to get my shit together, maybe yeah. give myself some rest and then, you know, <laughs> go and solve this problem because no one will do yeah. this. I love that. That is so yeah. insane, right? So what it all comes down to, I think, is that we're not aiming here to say that I've identified myself as a victim. I need to be more uh, persecutor or I need to be more rescuer because each and every one of these have their own pitfalls, right? Being a victim constantly relies, as you mentioned, on other people for, for them to solve your problems. And it's like, oh, poor me. You know, I can't do anything for myself. So yes, you got to break out of that. But also being a rescuer has its own pitfalls because when you come to the rescue all the time for everyone around you, you're not looking after yourself, right? It's almost like I picture it when you get onto an airplane and they go through the safety instructional video, they always tell you, put your mask on first before you help mm -hmm. anyone around you. So being the rescuer is and it might on the surface seem like being the best position to be in, but it has its own pitfalls. And being the persecutor, of course, blaming others, blaming your circumstances, blaming those around you. I don't feel that there's any anything in there that would be beneficial. So it's not really saying that let's find the best one and try and be that person most of the time. It's creating awareness around that this is something that does exist in all of your social circles, in all of your relationships around you, so that you can identify when you're being taken advantage of as the rescuer or when you are you're pitying yourself to the extent where you just don't want to get up and pull yourself out of that ditch or when you're being too mean to other people around you you're not taking any responsibility it's being able to create some awareness of your situation and i think that's the end game isn't it with the with the drama triangle true true yeah so basically as long as you're staying in any of these roles, you are stagnating, you are not developing, and you are 
forcing yourself to just keep boiling in this bullion of guilt and uh, negative feelings and mm. basically you are avoiding the solution of so many problems and you're just doing one thing over and over and over again instead of doing something better i mean instead of having this fight how many good things my family could have done like or any other fights like mm. so yeah basically once you're coming out of these dynamics you are able to first of all solve the problems yeah. that you have in general solve the problems that is occurring you know mm. that is the reason of a fight and you know to just move forward to develop because it's so stupid to spend uh, especially now when there's covid around i keep thinking how stupid it is to waste your time with your beloved ones on all these fights yeah. on everything my granny and my granddad they're very old i'm very very worried for them and i am so glad i didn't wait another five ten years mm. before beginning therapy because it helped me with communication with them for example my granddad once I approached my granddad, not with the um, attitude that my granny and my grandma had, was, you know, not very listening carefully mm -hmm. to what he says, mm -hmm. you know, thinking of him as a victim. Once I actually approached him as a old, respectful person that he is, he opened up to me. And I've heard so many stories from him, from his youth. I've learned so many cool things about him. We have such a great relationship with my granddad right now. He... He makes jokes like no one else in my family does. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, but it, it also had to come to this through a lot of changes. We had this absolutely insane story. I I really changed my attitude towards it. I'm now really, really approaching this with laughter. And it's it's just, it's kind <laughs> of, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a very special family. It makes us very special that even our fights are insanely hilarious. So we had this absolutely absurd situation where I was sitting at my friend's place uh, and this was the first time I met my goddaughter. It was very touching. It was very sweet. I was supposed to spend the whole day there. And then I got a phone call and I'm picking up and my granny and my grandma are on the phone shouting something. I don't understand that I'm coming mm. out to a balcony. I'm like, okay, what is happening? They're like, Anna, you need to come here right now. So uh, I'm asking my mom and my granny what mm -hmm. happened. And they are telling me that uh, granddad has decided to admit himself into a nursing home. And in Russian nursing mm -hmm. homes, I'm not sure about South Africa or any other places. In Russian nursing homes for adult people, they basically don't exist. There are mm -hmm. governmental facilities where people live, like 20 people in one room, where they don't oh, have wow. proper shower, proper toilets. Uh, it's, it's it's basically a prison um and we have the, i didn't know that yeah it's it's i mean it's like uh, a lot of developing countries are suffering from a lack of social system and russia yeah. is not an exception Jeez. and yeah of course there are maybe like some super expensive facilities for super rich people but not for the middle class so mm. i am hearing that my granddad has decided to admit himself to an actual like prison <laughs> like, wow voluntarily I mean, yeah, now you understand, right? This was a dynamic in my family before okay. I joined therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is insane. You're yeah. insane. I, I Listen, I have, I ha I'm meeting my goddaughter. I, this is a lovely baby. And I don't want, I don't want any, I don't want any part in this drama. Mm. 
like, mm-hmm. Anna, this is not a joke. We've uh, overheard his conversation uh, on the phone and these people were asking for his bank card details and everything. They're fraudsters. And this is true. We, ha- we do have a lot of fraudsters that are uh, preying on the lonely mm-hmm. lonely old people. Uh, yeah. They basically offer them amazing conditions, amazing nursing home. And then they just, you know, get all their money and I don't know what happens. I, can I, I really, that. I don't really want to know. Jeez. Yeah. So eventually I, okay. So I picked up the phone and I said, okay, listen, I'll come over and I'll ask what's happening. Mm. So I'm coming, I'm, I'm going to Moscow. I was in countryside three hours. I'm there. I'm coming to Granddad. And basically I come in and I see the situation where my granny and my mom are sitting there in the living room with green faces, just dressed in all black. It's very dramatic. <laughs> and so I'm coming to a room where my granddad would sit. And I'm coming to him and I'm saying, Granddad, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell, Granddad? Is it true? And he's like, yeah, listen, like, I'm so tired. Like, I, I, yeah. I can't bring a message to your grandma with whom he lives. That I basically just want some peace and quiet. She doesn't respect my boundaries. She doesn't respect wow. the fact that I don't want her entering my room uh, whenever she wants. She just she doesn't know how to knock. She's very loud. She's very annoying. We keep having fights. So I decided to admit myself to a nursery home. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> <I> was, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And it's, it was it was so absurd. But back then I was shit scared uh, yeah. for my granddaughter and. I realized at that point, especially because when we were talking, my granny and grandma, they rushed into the room and they said, they started shouting, okay, Yura, this is the name of my uh, granddad, Yura, don't do this, don't do this, Yura. And I was like, hey, guys, like he he asked for some privacy. He wanted to talk in private with me. How, of course, he wants to go to a nursery home. You don't, you can't <laughs> even respect this little wish. Come on. And yeah, I turned back to him and I said, okay, granted, I totally understand your decision and gotta know, of course, I'm not happy with it. Of course, I'm mm. not happy. Of course, I would like to persuade you to stay, but I can see that they have tried it and they didn't succeed. So let's do it the following way. If you find a facility, let let me maybe check it. I'm, I'm, I have my bachelor degree is journalism. I have a lot of journalist friends. They will investigate the facility. If it's not good, we will find you a better one. I have money. I will yeah. pay as much money as it takes to find you an actual good nursery home where you will be treated with respect, have your own room, where I will be able to visit you and make sure you're okay all the time. And this is this was exactly the moment when my granddad actually decided he's not going to do it. And he told me later, in, in a couple of hours when I left, he called me back and said, listen, I'm not going to do this, okay? Mm. I just... I don't know what happened. I don't know why I decided it. But yeah, thanks so much for talking to me. He only needed someone to look at him and say, you're a grown-up person. I respect your decision. If yeah. you want to do this, do this. But yeah, let me help. If you if you allow me, I would That's like great. to help. That's great, yeah. And sometimes it's all it's, it takes. It's, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Eh? And, and I think so many people have been in so many different and, and challenging situations. I mean, like... I've gone to so many different people for advice um, and I, I echo what I said earlier on, you know, is when you go to someone for advice, sometimes you just want to actually blow off steam. It's not that you actually want advice. You, you're not really open to receiving advice or anything. You just mm-hmm. go and you're basically venting. You're venting to that person on the one end of it. On the other end of it, uh, sometimes hearing advice from your friends or your family or your mom or your dad isn't good enough. You know, so uh, like it, in some cases, it might actually just be that one thing that you wanted to hear from that one person that 
you least expect to hear it from that could actually make the change. But in a lot of other cases, you know, when when people approach us with advice, when people approach us with uh, with things that we can change or improve about ourselves, unless we accept and do some introspection, number one, and actually start opening ourselves up to admitting that, hey, maybe that person has a point. Maybe I should be more open-minded. Maybe I should re-evaluate my current situation. Is that really where it helps as well? So, no, absolutely interesting. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. I think what is interesting to me as well is breaking free from this this drama triangle. I think so many people have so much drama in their lives. And like you said, we don't need this drama. It's not serving any purpose, right? So if we can get away from that drama as much as possible and as soon as possible, yeah, I don't think we can ever avoid it. But if we can just learn how to better absorb the impact and to better accommodate the situations and to better handle those specific scenarios, I feel that that's already going to be one step forward. So that's the one thing that that really, really stood out to me. I think it's time, and yeah, let's quickly move into the real life tips for today. (laughs) Real quick, off the top of your head, if I had to come to you, this is the part of the show where I come to you and I ask you, you've shared a lot of insights now from therapy and people who you initially didn't necessarily consider therapy or you, you know, on the other hand, you were quite open to therapy, uh, but it did not only assist you in getting some guidance in your life, some expert guidance, uh, but it also assisted you through a lot of other issues, you know, that you were dealing with at the time or going through at the time, you and your your ex-husband, after you gone through the divorce as well, sort of fixing the relationship that you have with your family and everything. And this is an ongoing process for you that you've developed, but it's also helped you open up quite a bit to those people around you. You know, when you're in, in your social circles, interacting with, with your peers, with, with new friends or old family members. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so if I had to come to you and I had to ask you one tip or one tool, a, a resource that you would share with our listeners here today, what would that be in the, in the light of what we've discussed today for therapy? I thought about it for a while because I listened to your podcast and you had such an amazing tips and I... <laughs> couldn't put my finger on the one thing that helped me the most. Uh, but I think the most important tip would be to the life hack, I would say, to use an I message because I message makes you reflect on your own feelings and emotions and understanding what you are actually feeling instead of what you're showing to other people, instead of what you're reflecting. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might might be... You might look annoyed, you might shout, but you're actually very, very scared. So I message is a way to communicate that you are upset with something. So for example, when someone does something, something that you're not okay with, mm. most people usually would say, I don't, don't choose so loud. Don't uh, tell me what to do. Don't do this. Don't do that. Instead, try using I message. I message the only rule of why I message is to focus on your feelings. So instead of saying, when you tell me what to do, mm-hmm. I feel like I I feel helpless. I feel neglected. Yeah. Just try not to, not to say I feel like 
for example, don't say, I feel like I'm being manipulated. That's not the I message. That's you reversing back to a person. Uh, Focus on your feelings. And in this way, you will be able to actually process what you are feeling and uh, resolve a conflict uh, in a more productive way. And you will bring the message to a person in a more effective manner because people, in this way, people will not need to argue with you about the nature of their actions. They will be focused on you and they will be focused on the resolution of a situation that makes you unhappy. So use iMessage. Uh, I love love that. Uh, Do you mean, so so what you're saying is let's relook at the way that we interact with other people when we communicate with them about things that are bothering us. So as opposed to taking the approach of saying, you know, it's really upsetting when you do this or you do that and you do this. And that really upset me. Rather, stepping back, doing some introspection. and, And when you're in that engagement with that person saying that, I feel neglected because the situation was you were supposed to meet me at the mall at three o'clock and you never showed up. You know, is that what you're saying is the the perspective that you put on or the, the style of communication that, that you have with those around you? I just I just say it's a structure. It's it's a simple structure. It's not like mm. a philosophy or something. It's just a structure where you when you are not assuming anything about the other person because okay. you can't possibly do this. You can't uh, figure out what the other person has in their head. So it's just a basic structure when you say, I feel, and then you express what you're feeling. Then you say when and uh, tell the other person what causes the feeling uh, without blaming without assuming anything about the other person like you know like madame bovary if it's the correct english uh yeah. name for the book so flaubert gustav flaubert he never ever depicted any internal feelings that his characters were going through he only depicted everything on the outside their pure actions he did not assume anything about what's going on in the head of madame bovary so the classical example it's not uh, is uh, instead of writing Madame Bovary felt cold, he would write Madame Bovary approached the fireplace. So mm-hmm. he's not assuming she did this because she felt cold. Maybe she did this because she felt romantic or something. All he knows that she is that she has approached the fireplace. And mm-hmm. I would encourage people to use the same structure in conflicts. Yeah. Say I feel, express their feelings, and say when do they feel these feelings, uh, in which situation. And in the end, it's very important to know why you're having this fight, not just to lash out on someone, not just to tell something negative, but to fix the issue. And then you ended up with, I would like, you know, things to be done in a different way. So for example, I would like you not to be late next time. Uh, I would like us to maybe discuss in advance what can be done about it. I love that. I love that. Really, really cool. Um, Super, super interesting chatting with you, Anya. Uh, I think from my side, I don't really have any tips to share. You are the expert because you've actually gone through this, you know. Maybe I can just wrap it up and say that, you know, what we really wanted to focus on today is saying that there's nothing wrong with you if you accept the fact that you need professional help, psychological professional help, right? That there's nothing wrong with admitting that maybe you can't handle things on your own and you just need an outsider's perspective and maybe a professional's perspective to come and assess your life and assist you and guide you and all that. And you're a living proof that 
you know, these things do help you. Not only did it improve you and the way that you dealt with your situations, but it You're also improved with, yeah, but it's cool because it also improved the way that you now interact with your family and your siblings and like, you know, your, your, your friends and everyone around you. So I absolutely love that. I think one of the really interesting things that, that came out of this for me was uh, looking at Kopman's drama triangle. I'm going to definitely link something for you guys out in the show notes at the bottom after this episode. Uh, but the one thing that you need to take into consideration is that you can simply refuse to be either the superior or the inferior and doing so will break the triangle so you don't have to aspire to be the persecutor or the the victim or the rescuer what it comes down to is being able to analyze the situation being able to identify it and being able to put a stop to it put a stop to the drama Right, and that's what I really loved. I really, really enjoyed this episode with you, Anya. I hope to see you back here in South Africa again soon. And you've got my details. So if you ever do come back, obviously you won't come back up to Joburg because you've now seen Cape Town, right? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Cape Town so much better. I know. So so I'll never see you again. But if I'm ever in Cape Town and you're ever in Cape Town, we'll... Uh... <laughs> Come to Moscow. Okay. Come on. Well, Moscow snows. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm looking at these piles of snow outside of my... Yeah, I, I'd rather come back to Cape Town. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Well, do you prefer the snow? Do you prefer the better heat? This side? Of course, oh my God, of course I prefer the heat. <laughs> it's minus 10 right now, right here. Of course. No, that's ridiculous. No, no, no. South Africa was beautiful. Joburg was also beautiful. I, it's just I wasn't able to see, to see anything from you know, our window. <laughs> Great. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Anya. We'll definitely stay in touch offline. You bring such amazing insights and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It was super nice chatting to you, Marno. It was very comfortable, very nice. It's my first time doing the podcast. Thanks so much for making it so stress-free. I loved it. And yeah, I hope it went great. Great. Yeah. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And if you're out there, if you're listening, if you enjoyed this episode, if you found value in any one of our previous episodes, please go ahead. Remember to rate and review the show. It's really going to do wonders for us. I look forward to seeing you guys back here next week for our season finale. We've got some really, really interesting episodes coming up now. The, the next one uh, before we wrap up or as we wrap up season one before we move into season two. So be sure to stick around. We're working on the content for that. It's going to be super, super interesting as well. So I look forward to seeing you guys next time. Until then, my name is Mono. Woohoo! What's up, guys and girls? If you've derived some great value from our show thus far, please take a second to rate and review us on the platform that you're tuned in on. This will really help us to grow the show and reach more and more people to spread the positivity and change more and more lives. So it will literally just take you a second to rate and review us. And who knows, perhaps you could directly be responsible for changing someone's life today. We look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Until then, cheers.